Hello and welcome to Resonant Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters that are shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Will Lynch, and I'm the associate editor of Resonant Advisor. Since 2010, Ron Morelli's made a career out of doing something that's unintentionally radical. He releases electronic music, including house and techno, that has little or nothing to do with clubs. Morelli runs Lies, a label that's electronic in production, but punk in spirit. Its records are scrappy, unpredictable, clearly unconcerned with being liked. While other labels are inspired by the experience of going out, Lies specializes in music for shut-ins, to quote the title of one of its compilations. Many in the feel-good world of dance music find this baffling, but Morelli never meant to be controversial. As he tells it, he started Lies for a very simple reason, to release great music by his friends. Five years and more than 100 records later, Lies is as popular as it is divisive. On a recent Sunday afternoon, I met Morelli to hear his side of the story. years you're doing the label right correct april actually 4 20 2010 is when i received the first test press of lies 01 the only reason i know that is because somehow tim sweeney uh had a picture of it on his instagram and i saw it and that was the, I, I don't even yeah that's the only reason i know the exact date because i saw it recently so yeah how many records have you put out Right now, official catalog number is around 58, 59, 60, but then there's the other like 0.5 part of the label, which there's I think about 20 some odd records, and then there's the black thing, so it's almost like 80 plus or something like that in the, uh, around there in the last five years. And uh, are we allowed to reveal the Russian Torrent versions connection? Yeah, I mean, sure. There's 18 of those at this point. So it's a bit more than 100, probably. Yeah. Why do you have such a high rate of production? Well, the music is there from the artists that I'm working with. And fortunately enough, I'm able to put out the music when I want to do it and when the artist give me the music, you know, as a record label, that's your job to put out music. So I'm just doing, you know, I'm doing my job. That's basically it. You know, the music's there. You give me the music. Okay, I dig it. Let's do it. Let's put it out. And we just keep it moving. When Lies started, you're releasing all this music by artists no one's ever heard of. And it seems like there's just loads of these kind of odd characters that you're in contact with and you have their tunes. How exactly did that happen? I mean, do you have like a group of friends just with loads of tracks or, you know, 
how to come together. Yeah, it was. It, I was speaking to someone about this the other day. It was like really, it was really strange that you know, there's a crew of people we all would hang out and like DJ and and whatever, go out drinking and cracking jokes and hanging around and for years and years, you know, for a long for for a long time. And I had in I think 2006, I had went on this tour with DJ Overdose from uh, Murder Capital and Vulex and Bunker and Ingmar Pauly. They, they had a group called Nova Men. And um, I went on a tour with them in the United States. It was Nova Men, myself, and then Steve Summers and Ari from Beautiful Swimmers. They had this, this group called Manhunter. They did only one record. So it was Manhunter, Nova Men, and myself going on tour. And at the time, Jason, Steve Summers, had um, been making all this filter house. And I was like listening to it all the time, like, I, I was like, this is sick. And then like I had a CD of it. I was uh, borrowing uh, like my father's car for something or the other. And I was like, you know, some Volvo with like a pretty good stock system or something, like cranking like filter house, like driving through Brooklyn or something like that. I'm like, this is sick, man. I said to Jason, I'm like, one day I'm going to do a record label again and I'm going to put out a filter house record, one of these filter house records. And Jason was like, had so much music he was working on. He had like, again, endless, endless amount of music that he, he was working on. And finally, whenever it was, six years later, something like that, a while after, let's just say that, when I got everything together for the label, I, I said, all right, man, I'm ready. Let's, let's put out this Filter House record and, and we put that out. But in the, in the meantime, he had been working on tons of music and then all these other people who I was around had so much music. It was like, it, but it was all unreleased. Like Will, I was living with Will Burnett at the time and he had just started his label. Is and, that Willie, uh, Willie Burns? Yeah. Like we, we lived together. That, that didn't last too long actually. Um, he started his label and I was like, I was like, maybe um, if you need help with the label, maybe, maybe I can like, you know, whatever, you know, help, help you out or whatever. And he, got, he just like laughed at me. And in retrospect, a good idea. I mean, that would never have worked out ever. That's, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it, it just wouldn't. <laughs> it just wouldn't. Will has his way of doing things, and I have my way of doing things, and it's it's different. <laughs> but I, had, I had pressed records actually before in the early '90s, so I knew how to press uh, our records, and I had actually like run small labels before, and it was it was something I was totally interested in. But I, you know, when I started label, I knew what to do. I knew that like. I wanted to put out a lot of stuff. I knew that the way to keep things moving, have actually have a plan. When I previously had put out records, I was just like, here's a record. And then you have to wait three months for the distributor to pay you, sometimes six months for the distributor to pay you. And then it's like, there's no momentum. There's, it's not real. When you put out one or two records, it's not real. When you put out three records, it's not, it's not real. It doesn't, there's nothing that separates what you do from the rest, of, like any anyone else, because anyone could put out a record here and there. But like a lot of these days, you have artists running their own labels and like to put out their own music, which is good, where they put out one or two records. That that makes sense. But when you're actually trying to like 
get other people's music out there and have people follow it through your your it's not going to work if you just do something here here and there it's going to get lost and when i started i think when i started the label there were a lot of people around me at this time that when we were hanging out for years and years DJing and just being fans of music and talking and a lot of people who were around me were making music you know with no intentions of releasing this music ever probably but just because this is what they did and what they enjoyed doing and had passion to to do and at the time of the label i think there were so many of these people around hanging out in brooklyn and everything like that and when when i started the label yeah there was kind of this endless resource of of people who had hadn't just were sitting on these huge catalogs of, of music yeah so do you feel like it was a particular moment in Brooklyn where there were a lot of bedroom producers and there was a lot of music kind of there to be released? Yeah, definitely. Everyone, yeah, every, everyone was like a bit older and had all this stuff that they were just doing, yeah, and it was just sitting on all all this stuff. Yeah, I do, yeah, I think so. It's also interesting that you said that people were making this music without any intention of ever releasing it. They're just making it like to amuse themselves. Yeah, I mean, J- I mean, Jason's a perfect example. Like, I mean, at that time when I was listening to like this Filter House stuff that Jason was making, he also had, he also had like all this like ghetto tech stuff that will never, definitely never be released. That would sound like you know like DJ Godfather or something like this. He also made some like Baltimore club tracks. He he also had some of that um, rhythm based lover stuff. I don't know if you know know that stuff, but it's kind of like really nice, kind of almost like late era Larry Heard kind of house music but like kind of boogie also like like someone like jason was hearing something and then being like oh i'm gonna try to make a track like this today i'm gonna try to make a track like this day i don't think he was ever like i'm gonna ever release this stuff he was just had all all this gear and he was like uh, uh today i'm gonna make a track that sounds like uh joe lewis love my own today i'm gonna make something that sounds like thomas bangalter you know oh uh, i'm gonna make a dj techniques track or something like that so yeah it was yeah I don't think he, he was thinking about ever releasing this stuff, ever. Do you think that's an important part of the personality of the music, is that it, it wasn't made to impress anybody or it wasn't even made to be sold, it, it was just made? Definitely think that it's, 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 it's real. It is very little intention behind it, yeah. And I think, you know, when you go back to, like, the roots of all sorts of, like, dance music, you know, when you listen to Cybertron or these guys were not thinking about hey, I'm going to make this music to make these huge records that have now legendary status. It's, yeah, it was just pure, you know? I mean, for lack of a better word, and that sounds terrible, but it's, yeah, someone doing it because this is what they love to do. I guess the interesting thing is that a lot of, um, while I would hesitate to call Lies dance music, you know, a lot of other labels kind of in the same realm as Lies, there's a lot of intention behind it. You know, it's made to be played in a club or sometimes on a more cynical level, it's it's made, you know, to increase an artist's profile so they can get gigs and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think the great thing about the label is none of my artists get any gigs. So um, it's, a, it's definitely a true reflection of uh, the, the music. No one wants to book them. <laughs> Someone like Luke Tornhawk, I mean, come on, man. I mean, this guy is like... You know, he was going to do this 
regardless of he wasn't like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna meet i mean <laughs> i'm gonna make this record with <laughs> with me in this black sheet <laughs> something like that i don't he was doing this forever man i mean the guy was like you know sitting at home like editing these miserable 80s movies just because this is i mean this is who he is if you hang out with the guy he's he's this uh all-encompassing freak and I mean you know he's hanging out with his guitar in his room like doing what he does I mean this is the beauty of it I think you know I don't think he was ever like I gotta I got make this record because it's clearly not the case because the guy sent me like hundreds of tracks like no who who does that I don't know man I don't I don't you know it's like it's just it's like OCD you know you sit around and you just sit sit on your guitar and record it and whatever there's some rhythm box and that you know i don't think most people do it like that i think people a lot of people are like okay i am doing this i'm doing that but the, yeah this guy was just doing it for for i mean a long time or someone like bo wanzer the same thing the guy i didn't know this until recently but he said he would make a goal for himself to record one track every day like that's i mean that's 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 amazing that you did that and that you want to do that but i mean he you know because that's what he enjoyed doing. He's like, and he was telling me, yeah, okay, one day I would decide, okay, I'm going to use this machine, this machine, that machine. Then the next day I was like, okay, because he has a lot of a lot of uh, gear and whatever. And then he's like, okay, then today I'm going to use th this one. You know, he was just making combinations and seeing what, what he could do with it just because this is uh, his outlet, you know, after a day of work at the science lab or wherever the hell he works, go home and just make a track. So, yeah, it reminds me of um, I saw an interview with uh, Tariq. Is mm -hmm. that how you say it? Yeah, Tariq, where he kind of articulated what you're getting at. Where he said he doesn't think of it as like when he makes music, he's not thinking of it as this is my next record, it's just this is an activity that he does and he likes to record it so that you know he can listen to it himself and he can show it to his friends. And that's kind of you know, it's as simple as that, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it with like a lot of the guys for sure. You know, I live with Marcus Cabral. I mean, I live with Marcus for three years, and you know, every day, you know, he makes coffee, does his emails, and then boom, in the studio and just recording. You know, half the stuff will never come out. But I mean, and he did that for years and years. You know, what is the relationship between you and the other Lies artists? What's what's your history with DJ culture, club culture? My personal history with club culture and DJ culture is quite limited i've been around it for quite a long time now but i saw the end of real club culture in new york actually i saw the beginning of, of the decline of it in the mid 90s when all my friends were going to raves and stuff i was i was going uh more to punk shows and skating and stuff and i thought it, i actually thought it was really corny my friends were going to raves every weekend in uh, big pants, uh, pacifiers, dyed hair, uh, candy stuff. I mean, uh, by the same token, I always knew of, of the music. I mean, Latin freestyle, I was hearing on the radio since, since I was a kid. Little Louis French Kiss, I mean, you know, I remember when it came out. You would hear it on the radio, just as, you know. But for me, the club culture, when my friends were going to these disco 2000s, to limelight, to to all this stuff, to 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 raves at Newburgh skate park, I, I was not I was not into it at all. I just didn't. Uh, I was quite close-minded too. I just saw the corny side of it. I'm like, oh, this is this is real corny, you know. I also wasn't into taking drugs. I I, I thought uh, 
I wasn't, you know, smoke some weed here and there, whatever, take a little trip or whatever. But, you know, I wasn't, they're like, yeah, we stayed up for three days. I'm like, that sounds terrible, actually. I don't, I don't want to be up for three days. It's horrible. Around 1998, the thing that, that, that made sense for me with making a connection with more like club culture was coming across, and I've said this many times before, was Bunker Records. And f for me, because Bunker Records, they, they were these squatter, squatter punks from The Hague. And they were just like, you know, if you, if you know the story, they were like, of Unit Mobius, they were like, yeah, we found all our equipment in the garbage. Okay, that's like amazing. You know, you know, is it true or not? We'll we'll never really know, but it's a great story. Yeah, we found you know all our equipment in the garbage, and we just plugged it all in, and then like you know we started making like this crazy acid techno. And to me, I was like, my thoughts of dance music was that you're in this you know some guy some guy on drugs in a giant studio, like being like, yeah, okay, now now it sounds like this. And then, yeah, I just had a very, very negative uh, view of club culture. You know, it was, it was mainly because, like, everyone just looked miserable, like, terrible, man. I was like, I, I don't know, man. It was, I, was, I was repulsed, man. Like, ex-girl and all this, like, huge pants. And I don't know, man. Ooh, ooh, I cringe at, at it. And, and I think other people who were around would maybe agree to some level it was like this. Cause I asked my friend Richie, I'm like, I'm like, be honest, I'm like, how much of the music you, do you feel that you were listening to that stood the test of time? And he said, yeah, less than 50%. And R Richie was like a, a huge raver and uh, going to all these parties and stuff like that. But it, it was really Bunker Records that, that got my mind open to this. And, and then, uh, of course, also I was less closed-minded too. I mean, you know, early 90s, I was, I was like pretty, pretty damn uptight about things, man. <laughs> you get older and... You loosen up a bit, and and you want to you want to expand your total self. It, it was Bunker that, that that got me open for sure. Well, I guess you said you're listening to punk. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you kind of uh, even when you moved into even when you started liking techno and stuff, you never really let go of that punk ethos. It's what makes sense to me, and it's it's the energy too that's there. You know, if you where you hear like drop bass network. You know, which is like absolutely like insane music, you know, or, or Mills. When you hear Mills, it's come on, man. This is just like it's urgent, man. It's 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 very it's futuristic. It's urgent. It's it's fast. It's, um, you know, I've checked out, you know, the Perlon stuff when it was coming out. You know, I mean, uh, in, you know, Al Kofin and, and uh, this kind of stuff. And um these are the records, unfortunately for me, that won't stay in my collection. You know, it doesn't hit like, I like the fact that it, when you listen to Mills, it sounds like the world will is ending or is coming to an end or you're going into the future. Or it's just, it's insane. And this is what connects with me. It doesn't connect with everyone. People, some people hate it. Some people are scared of it, you know, but for me, you know, if there's no sense of urgency, there's no power or energy to, you know, I, I, I like very basic stuff, man. It's, it, you know, I, I can't, it's very basic, but it's, it's very important to me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, but there's something to be, I think, said for, for the simplicity and urgency of things of this nature. Why do you think that is, like, like that the, the world-ending aesthetic, why does that speak to you? I, I think that's just the kind of person I am, you know, this is my, my chemistry or whatever, man. I, I, I think that every day is going to be, I mean, the next day is going to be the last day, 
all the time. I'm I'm quite scared of every. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not scared, but I just think it, you, there's so much chaos all the time, everywhere. I mean, why why does everything is is reactionary energy? The '80s, Reaganomics, uh, Iran Contra, all this is Vietnam. The whole thing. You listen to DRI or Black Flag or any any of this stuff. It's just the world around you, you know. But then and then and then for me, it translates into this this dance music, you know. When I, I don't want to hear some smooth, nice, uh, clicky. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't want that. It's just it doesn't connect. Yeah, it it doesn't connect with me. I don't know. I'm crazy, man. I don't know. Yeah, what can I say? I don't know. Does it feel strange at all that you've been kind of thrown into club world? Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, it's a little. Str- I I don't feel weird going to clubs or. There seems like there's a lot of rules that these people who are involved in this world abide by, or it's this, or it's that, or it's this, or it's the other thing, and. To me, that's the strangest thing is is many many people are it's very pretentious, it's also very close minded and very little little is about the music well, I guess a, a, another way of putting it is like the experience of being at a club has that ever been that important to you? Well, I've been stuck in like venues, you know, going to punk shows since since I was in my teens so Yes, I mean, if I if there's someone playing who I like, yeah, I, I dig it, man. You know, I don't like to go there, you know, and talk with people. I do like to go into the back of the club and just, you know, let the music hit you if it's dope. You know, it's not so much that I'm I'm going to see stuff or anything like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I feel like you know the idea of you as a touring DJ and and lies kind of lumped in with all these a, a bit more straight up club oriented labels um it kind of seems like it's just the best fit but it's not it it doesn't completely add up like like in many ways lies as i said earlier is is not dance music but nonetheless that's kind of the sphere that you know you find yourself yeah that's yeah i mean you know it is electronic music you know so it does you know it's it does exist in this world it's whether people like it or not it's there somehow i mean it's like bunker i mean think of it you know these guys are there man it's not pretty all the time but it's 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 there and uh take it or leave it's like someone like these frack guys too uh, these guys have some crazy thing going since i think the the 80s even and that that like who, who are these guys man they live on a farm in some desolate region of sweden you know i feel akin to these kind of uh types of types of guys i guess i don't know yeah it's it's there for for better or worse for you know it's you know yeah i don't know yes <laughs> yes we are there in the clubs <laughs> is there an fu element to lies the music you put out i don't think there is an intentional element of said word simply because Everything that I put out is just, it's what these guys give me, you know? They don't say, I'm going to record this kick drum really poorly to get people angry. <laughs> they do it because that's what they do, you know? I would love if, you know, I could get Tariq to, you know, have a little bit of uh, higher recording quality sometimes. It doesn't always happen, but this is the beauty of it, you know? 
for me. This is him. This, I accept him as he is. I'm not one of these guys. I'm not going to say, can you go back and do this again? Can you go back and do this again? It's, it's take it or leave it, you know? So, sure, it, it does come off as sometimes reactionary and a bit like fuck you, but it, it's the, that's never the, the intention of any of these guys, and especially someone like Matt. I mean, come on, he's the sweetest guy, you know? So, no, yeah, I don't think so. Not intentionally mm -hmm. at that. People can see it as how they want to see it. When you started the label, how long was it before there was a reaction or before it started kind of being broadly recognized? I would say the, like the third year. The first year, I think we did two records. The second year, maybe five records. And then the third year was able to really I think I did like 10 the third year and that was the thing there was so many issues at the beginning as well with production too that was like such a mess very very bad so yeah it was the third year I think when people are like oh this is somewhat interesting <laughs> have you been surprised at all by the response to lies good or bad I'm completely surprised again I mean you know, I'm just, I just, I'm just been rolling with, just roll with it. You know, it's, um, to me, yeah, I'm just keep, keep going, keep putting out records with these guys, keep doing it. And yeah, I'm quite happy with, with the end result. I think it's, I mean, I'm, I'm humbled you know, that I can put out the music for my friends. I mean, this is a super cool thing to do. So yeah, it's 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 weird. I mean, I would never think that it would take this kind of turn, for sure. When you say this kind of turn, you mean like it becoming a career? Yeah, I mean, come on, I I worked a day job my you know my entire life. You know, I'm 38 years old, so this is yeah, it's somewhat shocking to go to like uh, Romania to DJ. That's that's weird. <laughs> or to uh, Georgia. I, I mean. I would never think that it would turn into this kind of thing. Cousin tip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about that, right? <laughs> Scary place. <laughs> what were you doing when you started? You were working at A1 Records? Yeah. I was working at A1. I just started working at A1, actually, at that point. And that was great. I mean, that that's like, it was an amazing outlet, too. I was putting records in people's hands at the shop. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation you know i start the label as just boom 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 here check this out so that was cool for me an interesting part of electronic music culture is um this idea of playability which i think lies kind of uh provoked everyone on like i remember uh, seeing things on twitter djs saying things like why would you put this out if you know i obviously can't play it more or less like it's too fast too slow too crunchy and weird i mean that's that a fairly common response What's your reaction to that? Hey, you know, if if you don't like it, don't don't buy it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's for me. I never put out a record saying, "Oh yeah, this this is you know, this is gonna uh, smash the dance floor." And two, it's if I like the track, I'm gonna put it out. It's you know, again, it's it's good to have a challenge. You know, it's good if, if it's all messed up. I mean, some of the best records are the hardest records to play. You know. I mean, that's why all, come on, I mean, for me, this is why 
there's a reason people always will never stop talking about someone like Ron Hardy or Larry LeVon because they were playing records that were not meant to be played in clubs. B-52s, like a number of names. Well, that's, I mean, you know, that's like a kind of like Kraftwerk type thing. Uh, Liaisons Dangerous did not compose their album saying, oh yeah, this, this is for for clubs or something like that but these DJs heard this crazy music and said okay now I'm now this is I gotta play this in the club it's gonna make people you know th- th- so the best records are the records that you're are, to me that you're not supposed to play at the club you know you know functional techno all this stuff this is like this is very boring stuff man this is like it's loop tech it's just straight man it's so there's no adventure to it the the that's the stuff that's interesting, man. The stuff, the, the hard stuff is the stuff that's interesting. Unintentional music for a club. It doesn't seem strange to you at all that lies kind of ended up being a bit provocative or a bit controversial. It's funny. I mean, these are, these are quite conservative people who have nothing better to do at the time and get upset about a record label, man. It's just fair enough. Get, get mad, you know? <laughs> fine by me <laughs> i don't care it's quite silly could uh, upset people but that's cool puts some people in their graves early i'm fine with that when did you move to paris uh, about a year and a half ago and why did you decide to leave new york i mean my life in new york was done i didn't like living there much anymore it was like it just wasn't wasn't a home anymore did you grow up there yeah i grew up in long island yeah so, but I lived in the same neighborhood in Brooklyn for like 14 years. So, uh, yeah, my girlfriend is here in France. So that was that was it. Uh, it's time to go, and it's good. I, I don't. I do not miss living in the city. Even though you say that, though, uh, in New York, you obviously you owe a lot to New York in terms of the music on the label and sure. you know, meeting all those artists and everything. Yeah, I owe everything to them. I mean, of course. Do you imagine something similar happening in Paris? I would never even think think that way. I don't know. I don't even know what will happen, you know, in Paris, yeah. I guess what I mean is, like, there aren't many places in the world where you would end up meeting all these artists and kind of having all this music to release and just sort of crossing paths with all these people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if if it didn't happen then, it was it, it just, you know, it could not happen. There would be no label if that time was not where you know where it was like if i just was living i wouldn't just step back in paris say i'm going to start a record label and then start searching you know there was no there was no search for it you know it was just like i made a decision that i wanted to start a record label for for because i enjoyed doing that i had done like i said i'd done it in the past and and you know i was like this will be a fun project to to embark on again it was like it was a very unintentional thing if, if I was anywhere at any other time, there's no chance. I don't think there it would. This, I had to be around these people. So, yeah. So, in, But in Paris, yeah, I don't know if, that, if it would. Who knows? You know, I don't know. I, it's, it's, you can't say what, how people that you're going to come across or the, the relationships you're going to have or why you want to do something or something like this, you know. There has to be a reason. That, I, th- I think, you know, I think one of my main issues just... Seeing people starting record labels, I don't, I don't, I oftentimes don't understand why people do it. Really, there has to be a reason for it, you know. Like, of course, you you enjoy doing it, but but you see certain things, and you're just like, this, what it, you know, 
something like Underground Resistance, this is Detroit, this is what was happening in Detroit. Factory Records, this was happening, you know, over there in, in, in England, you know, Mute Records, this was, it's documents, Bunker, it's, these are documents. But then sometimes now when you're seeing record labels, it's just, what is it? It's some guy who's like, I'm gonna pick this guy from this label, and I also like this guy's thing. And there's, there's no feeling. It's just you know, it's it, it's sterile to me. It's just why why are you doing this? I don't, you know. I mean, of course, whatever people want to have their little projects and this and that. I'm not, you know, it's not. I'm not saying don't do this or don't do that. But to me, the things that stick out to me and that are important to me are things that were documents of, uh, of time and place. You know, you think of Soul Soul Records. What do you think of Soul Soul Records? You think of New York City. You think of Paradise Garage. You think of Trax Records. You think this is, this is the time in Chicago. You think of Transmet. This is the time in Detroit. You know, these are important. These are never going to die. Any of these things, they will stand the test of time. Obviously, they have and will go further. These days, it's so much nameless. It's the best labels are the labels when artists release their own music. These are the labels that are like, okay, this guy's doing this because he wants to get his music out. These are the best labels, not the labels that pick this, this guy here. This, no, from, yeah, so. This sidetracked, but it also ties into what you asked, I think, somehow. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right, okay. Yeah, it's interesting the thing you say about uh, labels that document a place and time, where it's like the, the label ends up being almost like a cultural artifact or something. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, for better or worse, when, when my label is done, when the doors close, it, it will... People say, oh yeah, this was this terrible label from Brooklyn that had all this miserable music on it, and uh, yeah... There you go. <laughs> From year X to year X, yeah. We remember, we were, oh yeah, we remember those, that stuff, it was so bad. <laughs> oh, I hated it. God, I was such an asshole. But, um, you know, following that logic, so Lies sort of is documenting Brooklyn in that sort of scene of artists in that time. So kind of where do you go from there? If, you know, like has that moment passed or do you have to sort of venture into something new now? I mean, for me, it does, it's, I feel very indebted to every person on the label so much. I want everyone, to me, it's, it's the most important thing for everyone who is on the label to be doing exactly what they want to do as an artist. And I think for me, running the label, I don't think the job is done to, I don't feel like everyone is, you know, whatever. If Tariq wants to play in India on the top of a mountain, I want to help him do that until that is done then i you know i don't know uh, then maybe my job's not done so i think we just keep keep going further you know with working with everybody and stuff like that i don't think as, as it is a document of that of that time and there's still it's very important i think that the, you know there's still many of the artists are there in brooklyn you know and it's important that they're there because there's in my opinion like just some whack music out there and for them to be there is you know it's good that there is there is something else you know there's room for everybody everywhere but there should always be something else and especially somewhere like brooklyn where there's all this change and commercialization and blah, 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 whatever whatever that whole business you know it's good that there's still some some grimy people making some some noise out there that's that is important so people to be there and be visible 
the job is not done, you know, because I mean, there was a time in New York, it was flat, man. It was flat. It was boring. And you can ask anyone and, you know, they, they'll either, they'll either deny it or not deny it. But the people around know there, there was whack, there was whack music in New York for, for quite some time. There was no energy, man. And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to say that because that's how, that's how I felt. It was, it was flat, man, for me. So in a way, it's almost like lies intentionally or not was kind of an assertion that like, there's, there's still weird, fresh stuff coming out of this city. Unintentionally so, yes. I mean, I think as a real, there's all sorts of weird morphing of other strangeness coming. You know, there's, there's all these other weird people now out there in New York doing some odd thing or the other. More, more, so, more so than a couple years back, which is a, a good thing. You know, you never know what's going to come out of something like this. So, Why do you think it is that... Um weirdness or griminess as you said before like why does that feel more authentic or, or why is it that that is the most kind of worthwhile cultural you know phenomenon i i don't know if that is worthwhile or you know for anybody or or important for anyone for me personally from the world i'm, I'm from and what i feel it's important you know that's what i connect with when everything becomes straight man it's it's it's, it's stale and it's boring for me, but I mean, some people like, you know, straight pop music, some people like polish, some people like the glitter, some people like, you know, a wax BMW, you know, it, 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 for me, I like the beat up car, you know, Cadillac down the block, you know, so yeah, I mean, this is just my, for me, again, it goes back to this energy, man, for me, that's where I feel the energy, I don't feel energy from, from polished stuff. But it, but it doesn't mean it's worthwhile, by any means, I mean, I'm no one to say, what's worth anything, you know? It's just my taste. Yeah, I think maybe, I mean, personally, I think part of the reason lies struck a chord with so many people, because even if you're into, um, you know, you listen to house music, you like club culture and stuff. For a lot of people, I think there's maybe a, a, a bit of like a thread of doubt of, you know, maybe this, like, it would be nice if this wasn't so utilitarian or, or, or so focused on the DJ and the club and everything. And um, there's a kind of ballsiness to... Um, with the music that Lies puts out, it's clear that it's not trying to please anyone. Um, and I guess that's sort of what gives it its vitality or something. Well, yeah, it's just, I'm a fan of music. And again, as I was saying earlier, it's, it's um, I put out what the artists offer me. I never tell an artist, oh, change it, do this, do this. It's, it, you know, then, then, it's not, then it's not real to me. You know, then when you, when you start telling people to, I mean, of course, now and again, you say, hey, you know, make this eight bars longer so you can mix it or something, you know, whatever. That, that's fine, but I'm never saying, oh, change the kick or do, do this or do that, you know. There's, there's, no, there's no need. It's just you get what you get. <laughs> What's your process for deciding whether or not something is going to be on the label? Like, do you, you know, you, the artists send you stuff, and do you feel... Uh, do you sit on it for a while? Do you know right away? How do you know? How how do you make the call? This 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 is gonna go. This is gonna go on lines. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because I'm flooded with so much so much music, and it takes time. Like working with Bo Wanzer, Bo has these archives. It's it's insane. You know, he just sent me another folder of these crazy archives from 2001. You know, I've. There's so much music. Someone like Luke, when, when we started doing records together, Luke sent me like 100 tracks. Someone like Tariq, too. So many tracks. 
you have to sit with it. It takes time. There's like a randomer record that will come out this year. And I had like, he sent me these tracks a while ago, like it kind of like three months ago, maybe. And okay, I listened to him. And then like I moved on. And then he kind of like nudged me. He's like, hey, what, what's the story? You know, I'm like, you know, give me a minute. And then I listened to him and it, it, they were cr insane, like totally insane stuff, like genius stuff. It's like at first listen, it's, 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 it's something's not going to, sometimes it doesn't hit you on, on the first listen of something like that. You know, it takes time. And then because the, and these tracks were like, there's like very like, you know, attention to detail, very like small sounds in them and stuff like this. Sometimes like, you know, you're going through track, you're like, okay, cool, 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 cool part. Okay, a little boring, cool part, whatever. And move on, move on, move on. And these tracks, it, it is completely, you had to sit and, and I mean, I had to sit on it, and they, but they're like not, so it's, it's tough. Like, yeah, the pro the process of like going through, through people's things, especially with like a heavy release schedule. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super hardcore and making decisions on this stuff isn't, I mean, it's easiest when some artist sends you uh, three tracks and you're like, it's either happening or it's not happening. You know, that's, that's, but when you have a lot of stuff to go through, it's, and especially when you're hearing stuff, also a lot of stuff done in the same session too. It's like, you can tell maybe a little bit more of like the process that, or what they were trying to do with the music. That kind of also ends up kind of influencing you a little bit. Be like, oh, he was doing this. That kind of sounds like that. I know why, you know, you're putting like puzzle pieces together and stuff, but it, that's the toughest when, when the artist just sends you tons of tracks, so. But yeah, it's a long process to get to get the good ones, I think, yeah. I guess when you look back on like the last year of Lies releases, it's quite a few tracks that, you know, you listened to, mulled over, made a call on. Um, I mean, do you feel like you have sort of like a strong relationship with, with everything that's come out on the label so far? Yeah, totally. I mean, someone like Esteban... NGLY. NG, NGLY, he came to my house, actually, and... Like we were listening, it was actually me, him, and Svengali Ghost together at my house, like listening to the tracks and like just bu bugging out on the tracks. Like, oh, this one is crazy, man. Nah, 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 nah. Oh, nah, this one's not crazy. Uh, whatever, you know. It, um, I mean, I, I actually had never done that with an artist. That was kind of kind of interesting. Like that we were like sitting there together, like listening to the stuff. That was that was cool. So, yeah, I mean, we're like. The stuff with Eric Copeland, obviously, that was like, you know, for me, he's like a really old friend and to be able to work with him last year to put out to put out that like mini album was like, for me, super special to do that. He's like, you know, I mean, he used to be the bartender at the, at the bar I used to go to and we just close the bar and just get messed up. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so I feel strong about about all the stuff that, the, you know, there's a story, you know, for sure, with a lot of this stuff. Do you feel like you could keep up this rhythm, you know, for the foreseeable future? I can do it, yes. Do I want to do it? Maybe not as much, maybe, but maybe also. But it's a lot of work. I mean, it's, it's an incredible amount of work. It keeps me uh, working 24 hours a day. I could not stop working. So... For the sake of my sanity, I probably should uh, 
chill out a little bit. But I could, you know, put out very many records every year if I wanted to, yes. <laughs> 